All right, welcome back to another session on the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Luke. You know, the listener's commentary is all about providing down-to-earth Bible teaching so that we can follow Jesus right in the context of our everyday life. And it's amazing to me to think that as I sit here in what is actually my son's old bedroom, recording these commentaries and putting them on the internet, that God is using them around the world. And there's people listening in uh, places all over the world, some places where man, it's not even really safe to be a Christian, and people are learning the Bible through the listener's commentary. And that's made possible by the generous support of people just like you, that this is a crowdfunded project. And the only way I'm able to have the time and the ability to do this is because people have said, man, I believe in this project. I want, I've been blessed by it. I want other people to be blessed by it and have stepped up and supported this ministry. So thanks a ton to each and every one of you who are ministry partners with the listeners, a commentary with the Bible and Life podcast, with some of the other online resources that I've been creating. I could not, literally, I could not do this without you. So thanks a ton for those of you who are part of the team. And if you want to become a supporter and a ministry partner with the listeners commentary, there's a link down in the note below where you can uh, join the team of supporters. All right, in this session, we are going to look at Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. And this section, once again, revolves around Jesus' ministry of teaching. And this time it does so by exploring a central parable of teaching that challenges the original audience, as well as ourselves, to beware how we listen and respond to Jesus's teaching. In fact, this parable is so central that it's recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels, and it's really helpful to us to think through exactly what Jesus means here. To get us started, let me offer a couple of observations to help us listen to this section well. In fact, one of the key words of the section is hear or listen. And as we go down through this section, we'll need to make sure we pay attention to that word hear, or in some places it's translated listen. So hear, listen, a key word in this section. Also an overview of this whole section, 8, 1 through 21. The, the overview really works like this, that there's sort of a book ends to this, like the first few verses and the last few verses are kind of bookends with the parable and the explanation in the middle. So uh, Luke 8, 1 through 4, that's the setup bookend, um, and it illustrates people who have heard Jesus' teaching and responded faithfully to it. Then you get in verses 5 through 8, the parable, where Jesus tells the parable. Then in verses 9 through 18, you get the explanation of the parable, which also helps answer the question the disciples have about why are you teaching in parables? And then in verses 19 through 21, you get the second book in, which wraps up the section and drives home the point that Jesus makes about hearing and doing what he says. So 1 through 4, 19 through 21, the wrap, the book ends, and then 5 through 8 and 9 through 18, the parable and the explanation of the parable. That's the way this whole section is structured. All right, with that then, let's jump into the passage itself. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, reads like this. 
soon afterward, soon after the story about the sinful woman that was explored in our last session at the end of chapter 7 there, soon afterwards, Jesus began going around from one city and village to the other, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so that's a transitional general statement just describing his teaching and preaching ministry. Jesus traveling from town to town, preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, so the twelve apostles, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. And then Luke lists them off. Mary, who was called Magdalene, Magdala was a town, so Mary Magdalene is from the town of Magdala. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So at some point in her past, Mary Magdalene had been possessed by seven demons, and Jesus had cast those demons out. Joanna, the wife of Chaza, Herod's steward. And so Chaza uh, is Herod's steward. A steward is a household manager. So Chaza, if you say it in English, but he was, a, he was Herod's household manager. So that's a high position, right? This is a wealthy ranking person in Herod's house. Joanna was his wife, and she's following Jesus. And Susanna and then many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. Notice several things here. You have this list of women from a wide variety. Someone who's a, a the wife of an important ranking official in Herod's house. You have Mary from a town of Magdala who had been demon-possessed. You have a gal named Susanna. Presumably many other women, it says. And notice what it says about these women. They were contributing to... Um, the support of Jesus' ministry out of their private means. They're using their own money to help support his ministry, that Jesus' ministry had financial needs as well. Like it just, it, it takes money to be on mission, right? How are you going to feed everybody? How are you going to continue to do what you're doing? And so they needed some money and they are contributing to Jesus' ministry out of their own private means. These are examples of people who have heard Jesus' teaching and responded to it faithfully. And they will be bookended by uh, what Jesus says in verses 19 through 21. So with that then, we transition to the parable. So Jesus says this, Now, when a large crowd was coming together, and those from various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. So that's the setup for the parable there in verse 4. You've got a large crowd. They're coming together from various towns and cities. So a large gathering of an assortment of people. Jesus tells a parable that directly addresses all the different kinds of people that you'll find in a crowd like this. All right. So you've got to keep that setting in mind because what Jesus says in the parable speaks to all these different kinds of people in such a crowd. Verse 5, we get the parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the sky ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky soil, and when it came up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and eventually choked it out. And yet other seed fell into the good soil, grew up, produced a crop a hundred times as much. And as he said these things, he would call out, The one who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus tells this parable. And a parable is a down-to-earth story that makes a kingdom of God point. 
that's the way parables works. And sometimes that point uh, was looked at from various angles. And so it's going to make a kingdom of God point, usually one point, sometimes more, but usually it makes a point that's looked at from various angles, various perspectives. And Jesus was known for teaching in parables, but he didn't invent the parable. You actually see a few parables in the Old Testament. A classic example is when Nathan the prophet comes to confront David the king about his sin with Bathsheba. He tells a little parable, right? Uh, So you see a few like that in the Old Testament. And Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day were known to use parables as well. So though Although Jesus was known for teaching in parables, he didn't invent the parable. It was a well-known style of teaching. Uh, It's just that Jesus seems to have used it more often and more completely than perhaps others, and that's what prompts the question that his disciples will ask very shortly. Parables are rooted in the world of Jesus' day. They're rooted in the culture, and so we can't really hear the parable well if we don't know some things about the cultural background. And this parable is certainly that. It's certainly rooted in Jesus' day. In fact, it sounds like Jesus is merely describing the standard common agricultural practice and experience. Like most listeners to this parable, that's often called the parable of the sower, uh, most listeners in the original audience would nod there and say, well, yeah, of course, that's what happens every year when we plant seed. What what point are you making, Jesus? What, what are you getting at, right? And Jesus just leaves it hanging without enunciating the point for the crowd. He just leaves it hanging as if he's just describing uh, common agricultural practice about a sower with his seed bag going out to cast seed into his field. That's the image, right? Uh, And so that's what you need to picture is here's a sower, that's a farmer, who's planting crops. He, He has his field prepared. He's got his bag of seed. Maybe it's barley seed. Maybe it's wheat seed. And he's going to plant his crops at the appropriate time of year. And so now he goes out to plant and he begins to grab handfuls of seed from his seed bag as he walks along his field and cast that seed out. And as he does, some of the seed lands in various places. Uh, It lands in the path around the field because you would have a you know, trampled down path around the field that you would use to access the fields. And so you got the path around the field. Some of the seed lands on that hard, matted down, trampled down, packed down path. Uh, And you hear what Jesus says with that. As that seed fell there, the birds came, ate it up. Um, And then other seed fell on the rocky soil, perhaps the the soil on the edges of the field where the rocks have been cleared, pushed to the side. There's some dirt on that. Some of the seed lands on that. It sprouts up quickly, but then because there's no depth to the soil and no moisture, it withers away once things get warm. Some of the seed came up and there were weeds along the perimeter of the field that came up along with it, thorns and thistles, weeds. And the thistles came up with that, eventually choked that out. The weeds overpowered the seed. And some actually fell on the good soil, the soil that had been well prepared, had been tilled up, had manure or whatever worked into it and was ready to receive the seed. Some of the seed fell among the, the or on the good soil and it produced a crop and the crop, Jesus says, a hundred times as much. 
that's actually an important little detail there because that's Jesus' way of giving some hyperbole, some uh, emphasizing the power of this seed because a good crop was considered maybe 30 times or 40 times or 60 times as much, 100 times as much. Wow, that is a massive, massive amount of production uh, by the standard assumptions of their day. So that's the imagery, all right? And so we get this parable, this down-to-earth story that makes a kingdom of God point. And so Jesus tells the story, and then he just leaves it hanging without enunciating the point for the crowd. So afterwards, the disciples want to know, hey, Jesus, what's the point? And they also want to know, why is it that he he is teaching in parables? And so it plays out like this, verse 9. Now, his disciples began asking him, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you... To you disciples, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest, they are told in parables so that while seeing, they may not see, and while hearing, they may not understand. Notice the contrast here. To you and to the rest. To you disciples and to the rest. In Matthew's version of this parable, in Matthew 13, he uses the language of inside and outside. To you who are inside, but to those who are outside. That is the point Jesus is making. To figure out what the parable means, you need to move closer to Jesus. You need to move from the fringes, from the outside, to the inside if you want to understand the point of the parable. And thus the parables, this helps us understand the point of Jesus teaching in parables, the parables serve as a filter, if you will, for the crowd. Who really wants to know and who really wants to learn? In other words, the parable that Jesus just told, the parable of the sower, actually serves to achieve what this particular parable uh, teaches. The form of a parable serves to achieve what this particular parable teaches. What's the state of your heart? Uh, how are you listening? How bad do you want to know? And so parables served as a filter for the crowd to figure out, do you really want to know? Are you, are you just kind of here? Are you like just blowing it off? How bad do you want to know? Now, what does Jesus mean by this line about so that while seeing they may not see and while hearing they may not understand? That line is an allusion to Isaiah chapter 6, which is Isaiah's commission to ministry. And in Isaiah chapter 6, God calls Isaiah to go and preach to the nation of Israel. And at that point in time, uh, uh, Israel was in a state of real rampant uh, idolatry and apostasy and unfaithfulness to God. They weren't listening to God. They didn't care about the law. They didn't care about God's truth. They were going after other gods. God calls Isaiah to preach to the, the people of his day and tells them, I want you to go preach to them, but here's what's going to happen. They will see and not see. They will hear and not understand so that their hearts will be hardened. And so Isaiah's commission to ministry right from the beginning um, says that one of the effects of Isaiah's ministry will be to confirm people in their spiritual blindness and their spiritual deafness. They don't really want to listen to God's word. They don't really want to follow Yahweh. And so Isaiah, you go and preach, but the result will be it's just going to harden them more. It's going to prove that they're blind and deaf and don't want to listen, that they've become like the idols they're worshiping. 
blind and deaf. Well, Jesus is saying here, by alluding to that and quoting to that, that that's one of the effects of his use of parables as well. It's going to sort out who really wants to hear and listen and follow, and who doesn't really want to hear and follow as well. It's going to sort out the blind and the deaf from those who want to actually know and want to follow Jesus. And so, for those who want to know and who thus are willing to move closer to Jesus, Jesus then explains the parable. And so here's the explanation of the parable as Jesus lays it out in Luke's version here in Luke 8, 11 and following. And just a couple of observations to help us hear the explanation well. The four different kinds of soils from the down-to-earth story, Jesus will say, represent four different kinds of hearts. And those four different kinds of hearts represent four different ways people hear the word of God. So that's important. So pay attention to that as Jesus explains this. Also, another important thing to pay attention to in the explanation is, notice what happens to the seed or the plant in each case, okay? So let's let's read the explanation. Now, this is the parable. Here's the explanation. The seed is the word of God. It's the teaching of God, the message of God, the word of God. And those beside the road, so the seed that the sower cast it that falls on the road, those beside the road are the ones who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So that first soil, as the farmer casts it and it lands on the packed down path around the field, that represents people who have a hard heart, all matted and packed down, right? Uh, they have a hard heart, and the devil comes and takes away from the word from their heart so that they don't believe it, and they, they can be saved. Next, verse 13, those on the rocky soil are the ones who, when they hear, they receive the word with gladness, with joy, and yet they don't have any firm root. They believe for a while, and then in a time of temptation, they fall away. So that second soil, the rocky soil, well, that represents people who have what you might call a shallow heart. Uh, it doesn't go down deep. They receive the word immediately, initially. They're all excited about it, he says, and yet they don't have any root. They don't ever put down their roots down deep into the soil, specifically in the, this case, deep into the text, deep into the word of God, deep into the, the teaching of God. So what happens is they believe for a little while, and then in a time of temptation. That is testing. That word temptation can refer to a temptation, like a test of our character that comes from our own desires, a temptation test, or it can refer to a trial. It's the same word translated both ways in the New Testament, pyrosmos. So it's a temptation test or a trial test. In other words, in either a time of temptation or a time of trial, they fall away. When life gets hard, the pressure begins to mount. It's not so fun and pleasant to keep following God anymore. They fall away. And so those have that shallow heart, and they receive it excitedly at first, but they never dig in deep and put down deep roots. The next one, verse 14, and the seed which fell among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, that is, go about their life, they are choked by the worries, riches, and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. So that third type of soil, the ones that gets choked out by the thorns, these are people who, they hear it, they initially, again, believe it, but as they go about their, their life, 
They're choked out by worries, by all the stresses and struggles and the worries of life. They get the best of them, and they turn their attention to dealing with those things. Or riches, like pursuit of money and stuff and all this thing, by all the things they have to have and by their job and by, right, like worries of riches. Or pleasures, pleasures of this life, pleasures of life that just you know, trying to have a good time, have a blast while you last sort of thing. And so these ones, um, they're choked out by all the stuff of life. That's the idea. And so they never actually grow to maturity. So they never come to any mature fruit. They're choked out by all the stuff of this world and life. Now, the fourth one is the good soil, verse 15. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word, with a good and virtuous heart. So they hear it with a good and an excellent heart, and they hold on to it firmly. So it's not uh, drowned out and choked up by all the stuff of life. It's not just a shouting. They hold on to it tightly. They hold on to it firmly, and they produce fruit with perseverance. Notice that with endurance. They hang tough when life gets hard, when life throws temptations, when life throws worries, right? When the sun comes up and things get difficult or hot and the imagery of the shallow soil, they endure. So the good soil represents a good heart that holds it firmly and endures. That's the explanation of the parable. So um, this story about planting seed is actually about how someone hears and welcomes the word of God. Well, Jesus goes on then and makes a further point by way of explanation. Sadly, in a lot of our translation, there's a subhead that's put between verses 15 and 16, and that makes us think, oh, we're done with the parable of the sower, but we're not. This is still part of it, verse 16 and following, and it's still related to the direct point Jesus is making, and it has to do about why he teaches in parables. So listen to what he says in verse 16. No one lights a lamp and covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in into the house, that's where you would use a lamp, who come into a house may see the light. For, here's the point of that little illustration, for nothing is concealed that will not become evident, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. So, verse 18 Take care how you hear. Take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. So let's just clarify what Jesus is getting at here in verse 16 and following, and then show you how it connects to the preceding parable of the sower. The first point Jesus makes with his illustration of the lamp is, the purpose of a lamp is to shine light. Right? The purpose of a lamp is to make it possible for people to see in a dark space, particularly in a house. So the purpose of a lamp is to give light. And the goal of Jesus' ministry is the same. It's not to hide, even though he teaches in parables. So the fact that Jesus teaches in parables, it's not because he's trying to hide the truth. He's like a lamp that, that intends to give light. So the, the goal of Jesus' ministry is... Uh, is to bring light to people. It's to shine the light of God's truth. But achieving that goal uh, depends on how one hears. That seems to be the point that Jesus is making by this illustration, and that seems to be how it connects with the parable of the sower. 
achieving that goal of, of Jesus' ministry, wanting to shine light, really depends not exclusively on Jesus' teaching. It also depends on how one hears. So he says, nothing is concealed that will not become evident, nor anything hidden that will not be made known or come to light. So Jesus teaches in parables, but if you move closer, you're, you're in the inner circle, like the disciples and whoever from the crowd comes in, He'll explain the parable to you. He wants to reveal it, but you need to take care, verse 18, how you listen. That word listen is the same word that's the word here that shows up all throughout the parable above. Um, and so achieving, uh, achieving the goal of receiving light from Jesus' teaching really depends on how you hear the teaching. That's the point. So take care how you hear. As one commentator puts it, parables place the burden of responsibility on the listener. And thus, you need to take care how you hear. Do you hear with a hard heart, like the first soil? Do you hear with a shallow heart, like the second soil? Or do you hear with a distracted heart, like the, the soil among the thorns and the weeds? Or do you hear with a good heart? Just as, in fact, just as in the parable with the seed, the way you hear Jesus' teachings determines whether you'll get actually more of that teaching and what you get out of that teaching, right? Like, to the rest, it's in parables. And so they're going to have to move from the rest to be disciples. They're going to have to move from the outside to the inside if they want to get more of Jesus' teaching and if they want to get the full understanding of Jesus' teaching. Uh, and so, just as in the parables with the soil and the seed, the way you hear what Jesus teaches, the kind of heart you have towards it, determines whether you're going to get more of that teaching. That's why Jesus says what he does at the end of this uh, verse 18 there. He says, to him who has, more will be given. And whoever doesn't have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. So look what happens in the parable. Think about the seed on the path. Well, the birds came and took it away. Or think about the seed on the rocks. The sun came and it withered away. Or think about the seed among the weeds. The weeds came and choked it out, right? And that seems to be the point Jesus is making in verse 18. You need to pay attention to how you hear what Jesus says because whoever has to him more will be given. If you've got a good heart, and you receive the word, right, then you're going to get more. You're going to get more teaching. You're going to get more insight. You're going to get more light. You're going to get more understanding. But to whoever does not have it, if they've got a hard heart, shallow heart, distracted heart, even what he thinks he has, a little bit of seed, a little bit of growth, guess what? It's going to come and be taken away, just as happened in the parable. Then Luke wraps up this section uh, with that bookend in verses 19 through 21, that illustrates how Jesus wants us to respond to his teaching. So we need to hear with a good heart. What does that mean? Well, this bookend section in verses 19 through 21 tells us what it means. Here's the way uh, it wraps up. Now, his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. So the crowd's so big, his mom and dad can't even get to him. But it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. They want to see you. But Jesus answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus, Jesus isn't being mean to his mom and dad per se. He's using this opportunity to really drive home the point 
of the parable and of his teaching here in this section. And the point is, Jesus's new family, the new family of Jesus, are those who hear his word and do it. And that's how you respond to the word of God with a good heart. You hear it and you heed it. You hear it and you do it. And so the whole point of this section is um, that we need to be people who hear and heed the word of Jesus. What kind of heart do you have towards the word of Jesus? Do you have a hard heart that just right, like writes it off and it's taken away immediately, as Jesus says, by the birds, i.e. the devil in the explanation? Do you have a shallow heart where, oh, you get all excited, but you never do the work to go down deep, to really understand it, to meditate on it and see how it intersects with your life and live it out? you just kind of a casual observer, observer of the word of God. Do you have a distracted heart? Well, you get, you get excited about certain things, but then life happens and you're so busy with life, you never do uh, put in the time to actually grow and you don't endure and all of that when life is hard. Right? What kind of heart do you have? Or do you have a good heart that welcomes it and holds it tightly, like meditates on it, thinks about it, lets it go deep into your heart, and then you begin to figure out how to put it into practice? Jesus' new family uh, are those who hear his word and do it.